Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Seth, how are you this morning? I'm I'm well. I'm ready to get angry at some false teachers. Oh, you are. <laughs> I mean, you are right in line with Jude here. Yeah. Uh Jude is kind of follows on the heels of Second Peter in a lot of ways, the end of Second or the whole book of Second Peter, which is an argument against false teachings that have invaded the church. Mm-hmm. And Jude follows the that pattern almost exactly and basically says Judgment is coming for those that reject Jesus as their Lord and master. Mm, okay. And judgment so, for false teachers. Buckle yeah, up, audience. Bu- buckle up, audience. Let's, let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, the, okay. So the book of Jude, a uh, few questions right mm-hmm. off the bat. One, is that the name we should use? Well, so as always, there's a debate about everything in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Jude is actually the name Judah. Right. Like, um, like he, the tribe, the tribe Judah, um, and like where the name Judeans come from, yeah, from. and then what ultimately became Jews. It is, I mean, on this one, Jude and Judah feel very similar. I think even in English, I know people that are named Judah, but mm-hmm. go, go by, by Jude. Jude. Interesting. So I think in English, maybe the all the connotations between the two are kind of erased or very similar. Mm. But I know there's probably a history of anti-Semitism and relabeling it Jude rather than Judah, kind uh-huh. of similar with James, the book of James as well. Uh-huh. However, however, Judah is his Ju- name. Judah is his name. And we he was Jude. a servant of Jesus Christ, uh-huh. but also the half-brother of Jesus, the right. brother of Jesus. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, was also born of Mary. Also born of Mary. Yes. I always think it's weird to call any but one of Jesus' brothers half-brothers because like, well, that's right. He did have a divine father, but... I mean, it's different. <laughs> it is weird. Genetically, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, was so like like the book of James. Yeah, was also a brother of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, a son of Mary. Yes, in that sense. Um, okay, that's cool. And then my second question came from your little introduction, uh-huh. which is you've referenced Second Peter. Yes, and how Jude kind of follows in the same trough or laid, you know, by second Peter. Mm-hmm. Is that how it happened? Did, 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 who, who, who wrote first Jude or second yeah. Peter? That's, it's another great argument. Ooh. Bible nerds get to have, I but like it. basically nobody can really agree. Mm-hmm. Jude and second Peter are very, very similar books to one another, but seem to be written to different audiences and are written almost in the same order. Mm-hmm. And Jude is the shorter letter. So a lot of people think that was the first one. And then Peter got a hold of it and expanded on it. Right. It honestly doesn't matter a whole bunch, except right. to know that not for our purposes. Not for our purposes. Like we want to see Jesus in the Book of Jude. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying, if you're if you've dedicated your life to dating New Testament letters, it matters. It matters. We don't want to undermine you. Right. Yeah. You're you are a special breed of <laughs> That's human, right. and we're really glad you exist. <laughs> but for our purposes. <laughs> um, can I ask you a question? Uh, man, as long as it's an easy one. Um, Jude does not call himself a brother of Jesus. Right. He calls himself a servant of Jesus yes. and a brother of James. Yeah. Why do you think he doesn't pull on his actual related relationship to Jesus? Yeah. I mean, one thought that comes right to mind is almost what you said too, is it's just like, 
am I his brother? Like his biological yeah. brother? Like, yeah. that's weird. Is it weird? I don't know. I'm James's brother and you guys know James. So mm-hmm. you guys can put it together, uh, you know. Right. Uh, you know, the other might just be humility. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of notice in Second Corinthians, Paul um, almost being not shy, but not eager mm-hmm. to pull his apostolic rank out as his trump card for why you should listen to him. Um, there's a humility there. I mean, Jesus didn't come to earth and just say, I'm the son of God, worship me. Yeah, he, he said... He served people. And yeah, and that's like, what a great leader was, right? Yeah. To certainly And serves. so he, he didn't just be like, this is who I am. So listen to me, false teachers, you know. Um, so maybe humility, following the example of Jesus, maybe confusion around how to even, what to even call himself. And I believe Judah... Jesus' brothers didn't believe him. Not at the beginning. Yeah, while he was alive, like right? That. Yeah. So I wonder even if it's like his own veiled admission oh, that, that he yeah. didn't follow Jesus while he was alive and could have, but has only after the fact done so. Right. It's like, how can I call myself Jesus' earthly brother Right. if I didn't follow him when he was on earth? Which, I, I don't mind calling me his his servant since I followed him now that he's king of kings, you know, enthroned on high. And what's interesting is in a second, he's going to summarize the teaching of the false teachers as people who deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. which is what exactly he did while he was, his brother was alive. Mm. So I would just mind. Now I'm just thinking about, Oh man, like James used to be one of the false teachers he's describing. Yeah. Okay. Do we do we have any idea of who he was writing to? Um, most people seem to believe it was a Jewish audience okay. based on the sheer number of Old Testament text allusions and Jewish popular literature that mm-hmm. he references. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And then, like, I mean, it seems from, from, from my reading of it that the, um, like, the situation surrounding this letter was mm-hmm. so specific that it was probably, maybe, if it wasn't one church, it was probably a group of local churches. It was right. probably like, a, which, a, he was probably writing to an area, right? Probably, which could also uh, explain why Second Peter and Jude write very similar letters. They're both addressing the same problem within a, an area of the church. Uh-huh. And they're like, we need to, let's tag team this effort to address this. Uh-huh. I'll write to this group, you write to that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they shared notes. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe... Second Peter got a, Peter got a hold of Junior like this is good. I These other this. churches need to hear. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like man. I mean, yeah. we've both given our share of sermons, and uh, the best stuff is is stolen. Yeah, for, yeah. For, I thought you said like the best stuff we say is stolen by others. You no, mean. no, no. I mean, we steal from better but, preachers yeah, yeah, yeah. to put. Right. Um, yeah, that, uh-huh. that's what one of the very first preachers I ever studied under. He he said, uh, David, the best thing you need to learn is case. And I was like, case. He's like, yeah, it's an acronym. Copy and steal everything. <laughs> and I was like, that seems weird for a preacher to say, but I get I get the heart behind it. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we've talked about these false teachers a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jude is writing to a local community of Jewish Christians, probably, mm-hmm. and they are having a crisis of faith because of these false teachers. What yeah. are they teaching? Well, apparently in verse three, Jude wanted to write a different letter than this one. So he I, writes. I would have loved to have read. This yeah, original he, letter. he he wanted to write about God's salvation of, of our humanity, shared salvation. Our shared salvation. Uh, but the theological and moral crisis told him made him have to write this letter. Come on, guys. So I think it's helpful to even like James uh, Jude wrote this letter a little reluctantly, mm. as in like I really wish I could talk to you about our common salvation, but there is something more. There's something on the line right mm-hmm. now I need to address perfect, uh, more intensely. And he says, I want to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. He wants to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that once and for all delivered to the saints. Mm. So he wants them to fight for something that's under threat. What was delivered to them was the teaching of the apostles, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so yeah, the faith that was delivered Mm-hmm. Is probably that delivery is the teaching mm-hmm. of the apostles. That's right. Given to the Christians there called the saints. Yep. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, and then they want to contend for the faith delivered to them because certain people, 
certain leaders mm-hmm. have crept in unnoticed. Crept in unnoticed. Uh, who long ago were desti- designated or destined for condemnation. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Okay, so you have these false teachers. They've crept in. And people haven't noticed, which is really interesting. Later, he's going to describe them as mm-hmm. like a hidden reef in the ocean floor mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you're, you're riding in your ship and you're going, as we all do, mm-hmm. you know, taking our ship right. out on the ocean. Um, anyway. And, yep. and as we all do, we, we all, all go we boating. All, we all go <laughs> boating, as we do. And you hit, you, you, your, your boat hits a reef mm-hmm. and you, you couldn't see it because it was so underground. It was unnoticed. And it, yeah. causes this, it causes you to sink and die. And so he's like, these false teachers are like that. They are these unnoticed um, death sentences that have crept in. Uh, I I think that alone is very interesting. Yeah, I think part of the reason is perhaps because they're the actual leaders of the churches. Oh. Um, False teachers often in like the book of John are Mm. the leaders of the churches. Yeah. False prophets are often the leaders within specific congregations. And so when you have a charismatic leader preaching what he says, the the grace of God into sensuality, what he means is like, uh, we're free to pursue your passions. Follow your heart. God forgives you. Mm-hmm. That's a really attractive. Yeah, you could, build a, you could build a mega church around that. And you could also, as a, even an Orthodox Christian, mm-hmm. dismiss a whole bunch of moral oddities that you see in your leaders because they seem to be teaching the grace and goodness of Jesus, right? right? Yeah. Which is a very common thing to happen even today. Well, they're orthodox on this, this, and this thing. They're, right. but, and yeah, they're harsh and they're brash and they're kind of weird over here, but ignore all that because he's teaching good theology. Mm. And I think it's significant that he, he says they pervert the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into a cause for, and into sensual and sensuality mm-hmm. and that's how they deny the lord and master jesus christ but that's underneath the surface that's the hidden reality mm. on top they seem fine interesting so okay so when you're saying they pervert the grace of god into sensuality um i mean what, what does that mean i think it means they're claiming that god's grace is canceling his moral commands it's God's job to forgive. So Jesus no longer has to be the moral master or Lord of their lives. I gotcha. So since God is gracious, mm-hmm. I can go be sensual with my body, do whatever I want with mm-hmm. it, have impunity to, you know. Yep. Do, I can yeah. act this way. Because God will forgive me. He has, He's gracious right. and he's so gracious that maybe there's not even anything to forgive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of exploring hiddenness of these guys. And it is a theme here, but I think what Jude is doing is revealing how overt it is. Mm. So it's like, man, I'm really interested in like, how, how can we spot hidden false teachers today? Right. But James is real, or James, Jude, Jude is yeah. really uh, explicit up front. No, these people are saying, whether you understand it or not, or see it clearly or not, that Jesus is no longer the moral master or Lord of their lives. Mm. You are free to pursue your passions, particularly sexual ones, because you are the masters of your body and God's grace covers a multitude of sins. It's mm. his job to forgive. Yes. So that's yeah, the yeah. false teaching. Cause like to, it, it is interesting to see him use the word master here. Cause mm-hmm. we're very used to in the new Testament, seeing our Lord, our curios is the Greek word, uh, Jesus Christ. But now he's throwing in this extra word master, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I can't think of another time in the New Testament this happens. Uh, it happens in Second Peter. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> it, well, it, well, it happens when Paul is talking to slaves and masters, and he's telling oh. masters, you too have a master, right. and his name is Jesus. Okay. Um, so you're slaves. Yeah. Uh, he says that to other So people. it makes sense then that he opens his letter really intentionally calling himself a slave of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Right, he says, That's right. Jude, a slave of Jesus. Mm-hmm talking to you people who have denied your master. Right. And the emphasis here is on obedience to specific moral commands. That's right. There's a, yeah. there's, there's a master, an authority over you, and there are people in your midst who have denied their master and are no longer slaves to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so to, to, to eschew a master mm-hmm. is to... say to, I'm not ruled over. Yeah, is to come out from their authority. And particularly you're saying that Jude's point is they're coming out from the moral authority of Jesus. Jesus says, live this way, and they say, no. 
Yeah. That's, another, that's the deal. Another way to say it is that the false teacher's attack on the moral implications of the gospel is actually an attack on the gospel itself. What do you mean? Meaning, like, if you cut underneath Jesus's uh, identity as your master, mm-hmm. who can tell you what to do, and that you're supposed to live a certain way, and if you deny that, you're actually undermining the gospel itself, because your oh. your salvation does not happen unless he is master and lord of the universe. Right. You could almost follow his logic here in three to four. Where he's like, I wanted to write about our salvation that we share, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can anymore because it's being undercut. Mm-hmm. You guys need to contend for the faith that was delivered to you, which is being eroded by the fact that the people among you are denying that Jesus is the moral master of their lives. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I track that. Yep. I track that. So that's... Uh, I mean, yeah, sorry, on. I just want to like lean in there a second because... Uh, I don't spend a ton of time, um, funnily enough, I have recently, but I just thinking about my life, I haven't yeah. spent a ton of time meditating on Jesus as my moral master. Mm-hmm. I think maybe as a kid, I had this category of God as this moral being who really wanted me to live a certain way and do certain things. And I think as my theology got thicker, mm-hmm. I, I I just don't think about the Jesus is my moral master. Do this. Do not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I mean I'm I'm just I think we're all meditating in the office lately, and we're about to read a book on it about Jesus's uh, saying in Matthew where he's like, "Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden. Mm-hmm. Right, take my yoke upon you. Yeah, t- uh, learn from me." Mm-hmm. Is like this was language that rabbis would use about how they teach and how they lead. And he's saying, like, you are either some unyoked wild animal, which he's going to call them in a second, these false teachers, or you have a other yoke on you right now, an evil yoke, another teacher, you know, heavy yoke. And it's teaching you to live a different way. It's teaching you to live a different way. Come under my teaching. Put Mm -hmm. on my yoke. I mean, a yoke went on an oxen to make them plow field. It was work. And Mm -hmm. the master would make them go left or right to Mm -hmm. obey their authority. And I'm just like trying to meditate on Jesus being my moral master saying, obey me. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you love me, keep my commands, you know, like obey me, go this way. And I just, I I wanted to just take a second and be like, if that's what they're, if that's what's on the line is not having Jesus as our moral master, I should probably take a second and try to meditate on, man, Jesus is my moral master who has put his light and easy yoke on me and is directing my life by his commandments, telling me what to do and what not to do. If another way to say it is, if Jesus is not the ultimate authority of morality, he cannot forgive sins. Oh, why? Because he is the one who determines what is right and wrong. Hmm. And if you deny him that power, he cannot actually do justice on the behalf of the unjust, or like he cannot do justice against the unjust. He cannot bring forgiveness to those who are guilty. Oh, I, I think I get you, it. You if, if a if a judge had no concept of the law mm-hmm. he would have no basis on which to pass judgment yeah and if jesus is not the moral authority on what grounds does he have to either judge or pardon the sinner right okay so yeah, yeah the gospel is on the line yeah yeah yeah. Okay, I, I follow that okay. yeah another way another even simpler way to say it is like man the gospel saves sinners right it doesn't promote sin yes so it's like really simply that's that's yes. what's on the line yes jesus dies as the moral master to save sinners. Ah, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think that to say it another way, what's on the line then is we are meant to be saved from sin. Like the, the point of the gospel is not just to get us out of hell. Yeah. To escape judgment. It's to save us from sin. Mm-hmm. Sin is our slave master. Mm-hmm. And yes. We, yes right. Yes, yes. And we are being ruled by it and we meant to be set free from it. So we've been saved from sin, not saved to sin. Right. I mean, uh, Romans six, one, like, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Meganoita. Meganoita. <laughs> it's Greek for by no by means. By no means. It was, our, it was our, our Greek professor's favorite phrase, I yes. think. Uh, but yes, anyway. Mm. Okay. I'm fall- There's a lot on the line. There's I, a lot on the line. It, that really, really helps. Okay. Um, and I, so, and then Jude is going to go on and explain a whole bunch of examples from the Old Testament. Yeah. So here's what he says in verse four again. Okay. Certain people have crept in unnoticed mm-hmm. who long ago were destined designated or destined for this condemnation. Uh-huh. And so what I think he's setting us up for here is that there is a historic or even like biblical theological category for false teachers. Mm. And these new false teachers in Peter's day 
uh, or sorry, Jude's day mm -hmm. are the same ones that we've seen over and over and over and over again throughout biblical history. Right. And he's going to give us a whole bunch of examples of how the false teaching that Jesus or God is not our moral master is been rampant since the beginning. Okay. That's cool. What, what, what do you think his motivation is here? You know, for, to go back and he's about to pull on all of these different stories of disbelief, especially like disbel disbelief and a, a lack of authority, like an eschewing of authority so that one might be sexually promiscuous, you know, like, yeah. um, is that, I mean, what's, I mean, like if you're thinking pastorally or yeah. what's his goal in bringing up all these stories, do you think? Cause we're about to dive into them. Right. So I well, to, like, I think one it's okay. So you have leaders within the church who can pretend to be orthodox well enough to hide their immoral behavior mm -hmm. and justify their immoral behavior. Yeah. Right. So he's bringing up all these stories that presumably these leaders would have preached through, talked about, known about. Oh, yeah. And so he said, okay, leaders, don't you know your Bibles? Yeah. And he's just exposing their ignorance of what the Bible says throughout history about people mm. like them. And so he, I think it's it's a polemic against them. It's like you claim to be teachers of God's word. Mm. You claim to be basing your current lifestyle on your interpretation of the grace of God. But that's actually runs contrary to everything we see in scripture from page one. Yeah. And he's just laying out for them their ignorance of the Bible. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. I think uh, I think it's helpful to say like they were teachers of the Bible, and so he's like, okay, I'll play by your rules. If mm -hmm. you know, if you if you are the ones who've been getting up, opening the Torah, and speaking out of Genesis and Numbers and Exodus, I'll use your playbook. Here's some stories from Genesis. Here's some stories from Numbers. Mm -hmm. Like here's some stories from Exodus. Yeah, they condemn you. Yeah, and especially if this was a Jewish audience. Uh -huh. And these were perhaps reformed, like converted rabbis, perhaps, who are teaching in synagogues. Like uh -huh. these would have been the texts they're all familiar with. Right. This is everybody's baseline imagination for right. the world. Okay. You know. And then you also brought up something else um, that I didn't want to just skip over. Was like they are in this spiritual lineage of uh, false teaching. False teaching. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of weird. Well, it's what happened in the garden. The okay. serpent tempted Eve to have a different moral master and lord other than God. Yes. It's it's the yeah. ori it's the original temptation right. that has been condemned from long ago. Mm. And so and that original serpentine satanic lie has found new iterations in new human figures throughout history. Mm. Cain is one of them. Uh we're going to go through them all. We're going to go through them all. Okay. So, I mean, what what I'm hearing there, that's helpful for me because I was like, is he is the point that he's making simply that, um, look, you guys are repeating history. You know, this has always happened and you're the next, your, your version 9.0 of the same heresy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting point. Yep. Not a bad point. Interesting point. Really cool biblical theological theme too. But, I mean, I think that point mm -hmm. also stands. Yeah, but yeah. what you're saying too is that there is a, like almost like a capital S spiritual line going through that is demonically charged, mm -hmm. you know, with the first instigator of this lie being Satan himself. And it's, it's his lie that has crept in unnoticed to the church. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, he's the one who's been behind all these sins we're about to go through. Yeah. Uh, not that, I'm not trying to be like, the devil made me do it. I'm just no, saying no, no. there's this. That's exactly okay. right. And then at the very end of Jude, Jude 17 and on, he he's in a quote from the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter. Um, he's going to quote Jesus himself. Yes. All of whom predicted the coming of people who would oppose him. And John even calls them antichrists. Yes. Like we've like, and we've, if we've talked about that. We've talked about that in our first John podcast and you can go back yeah. there. And I mean, that's helpful. It's, it's interesting too, to be like, I, I kind of, when, when, when Paul and Peter and Jesus predicted those things or prophesied those things, I, I think, and it probably did happen where mm -hmm. they were just like, um, the Holy Spirit revealed to them what was going to happen. But it's also like they, they could have predicted those things just from knowing their Bible. Yeah. That it's like this lie continually resurfaces. People uh, push off the authority of God, become their own moral masters, mm -hmm. and then they die. Yeah. And like that's just the story of the Bible. And that's the sa sa Satan's yeah. lie from the beginning. Yeah. And, what, and if you are su a supposed pastor, mm. an expert in these things, you're being proven to be the ignorant person you are, which Jude goes and calls these people ignorant multiple times. Okay. And the more familiar you are with the Bible stories, 
the more of an indictment this becomes. I keep thinking about um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill Mm -hmm. and Mark Driscoll, who made a name for himself by being biblically, theologically adept and bringing that type of theology to a new generation of Christians. But his moral behavior behind the scenes was left unchecked Right. Because he could justify it because he was preaching the right thing. But what what is he doing? I think Judas would say that he perverted the grace of our God into sensuality and in effect denied the master he claimed to be serving. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope for repentance. Jude offers hope of repentance for people like that because ultimately we're all like that in some way. Um, And we'll talk about that in a second too. But I think it's more common and that goes back to the hiddenness of it. It's like right. you can be functionally orthodox, mm. but if your behavior is um, outside of God's moral authority, whether that's in and sensuality, all that means is yeah. saying I can act this way, even though God told me otherwise. Mm. Yeah. You are the false teacher in this and you yes. need to hear what Jude has to say. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go through some of the stories that Jude uses from the Old Testament to condemn these ignorant false teachers. Okay, so all the different Old Testament texts Jude uses to prove the fact that God is the moral master. That's where we're, that's where we're at. Okay, yep. Um, so the first one he uses is from the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew people's founding document, Israel becomes a nation. Yes. In this moment. And now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, in that Jesus or the Lord saved a people at the land of Egypt, but afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. It's interesting. He like gives them, he, he gives them grace, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys preach radical grace. He's like, you guys know the story. Mm-hmm. The Lord saved you from Egypt. Grace. You, you're right. You're right. The false teachers are, are kind of right. There's grace in the Lord. Yeah. But afterward, mm-hmm. anyone who didn't believe was destroyed. Yep. And that looked like them no, not being able to enter the promised land for mm-hmm. 40 years. That looked like the ground opening up on occasion. Yeah. It looked like very physical, real ways of God judging people who would not admit God's moral authority. Yeah, and it's kind of an ambiguous reference mm-hmm. that he's making here because there's lots of times after the Exodus that the people don't believe. Is it right after they left and they were grumbling of why they why they were left out in there and the licentiousness, the the uh, what's the word, the sensuality mm-hmm. he's meaning us to think about is the the desire of their guts, of their stomachs for yeah. food. Is it was it at the golden calf when they didn't believe in God alone and they partied and they partied right and they stepped out from His moral authority while He's giving the law on the mountain to go, uh, yeah, carouse. You know, like they probably threw some kind of sex party in front of the golden calf. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's a golden calf. (laughs) It's a golden calf. Yeah. Um, And then, or was it like God said, "Go into the land, like I'll be with you." And they stepped out from his moral authority to say, no, we're not going to go in the answer because is, we're sensuous for our own safety. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But I just love the the link between like this, the, the disbelief mm-hmm. in Israel with the this claim of sensuality mm-hmm. um, that like I, I don't often think about my, oh, my yes. disbelief that way. Yes. That it's like um, whenever I want something that God says not to do, yes. I'm disbelieving. Whenever yes. I'm saying, but God, I really, I'm sensuous, desirous, mm-hmm. wanting of this thing that's just outside of your command, mm-hmm. right? I want to step outside your moral authority just for a mm-hmm. second and go get it. I'm not believing in Jesus anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. And that's both a moral thing and even a political thing. Like that oh. spans all human sin. Yeah. Is sensuality in, in that sense, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's all a rejection of God's moral authority and mm-hmm. claiming for myself right. that I can define good and evil on my own. Yes, yes. Okay, so that that's that's awesome. Okay, that's so the second story. Then uh, is in verse six. And, yeah, yeah. And now it gets weird. What Jude gets <laughs> weird? It has a whole bunch of stories that aren't even included in. Um, uh, has in, two stories yeah, in our Old Testament. In our Old Testament, but this right. one is uh, kind of the oh, interpretation comes from an extra biblical source. Yes. So yeah. verse six says, "And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, 
He is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Yeah. So he's he's referencing the story in Genesis six of the Nephilim, the the or, the, or of the sons of God. Where the sons of God have have sex with the daughters of men and yes. create the Nephilim. Right. And so he's saying that those are the, those sons of God who slept with were sensuous toward uh, human women. They didn't stay in their own positions of authority. They were given authority and said to stay there, mm-hmm. and they eschewed, stepped outside of God's moral authority, and did whatever they wanted. And now, um, now, so that's that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. But then the interpretation of what happened next is from an, uh, a, a, a popular Jewish book. Book be First Enoch. Yeah, the Book of First Enoch that explains and interprets and, and kind of adds color to what might have happened mm-hmm. to those angels. Yes. It says that God kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness, holding them for judgment on the great day. Yeah. So what he's saying, I mean, his point here is is actually very simple. It's very he's saying, simple. Step outside of God's authority, be sensuous, and you'll be judged forever. Mm-hmm. Even the angels, even are, the angels who had this high authority, were not a, outside mm-hmm. of this this uh, I don't know system. Right. Okay. So in Gen- so in Jude six and in Genesis six, you have angelic beings having yep. sex with men, and then the next next example reverses that, where you have men wanting to have sex with angelic beings. Verse right. seven, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire serve as an example by going uh, undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Right. So, so what's the point again? Yeah. You have a group of men wanting to transgress divine boundaries, mm. de- call their own moral authority absolute, and try to rape angels. Right. So and, intense. And, right. And the story ends in Sodom and Gomorrah with napalm and fire from heaven. Yes. To make his point again, there is not unending grace for those who deny Jesus and step outside of his moral authority. There's yeah. judgment. There's yeah. punishment. There's also a really interesting thing here. This this translation we're using the ESV here is not helpful uh, mm. in pursued unnatural desires. Yeah. Um, talking about the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, the literal translation uh, is just different flesh. Heteros sarcos. Huh. It's just different flesh. What do you mean? What di- what what different flesh? The flesh of angels. Yeah. Right? The right. flesh of angels. What's crazy about that is that word pops up in the next sentence. Oh. And so you miss this connection. So they per- per- pursued oh. different flesh. Yes. And now you false teachers are defiling your flesh by rejecting Jesus' authority. Mm-hmm. And he's saying you are Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. You are, in a sense, sleeping with angels. Yeah. And in like, in, in that is the depth of your right. depravity. Which helps explain the strange frame phrase, blaspheme the glorious ones. Uh-huh. What are the men of Sodom and Gomorrah doing? They're blaspheming the holy ones right. by trying to by claiming moral authority for their own and trying to to abuse these angels. Right. They're trying to I mean, in a way, I mean like sex, especially like that kind in Sodom mm-hmm. and Gomorrah, which would have been closer to rape, mm-hmm. is 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 a different kind of extremely evil and corrupt authority over another person. Yeah. That they were trying to take a sexual authority over these glorious ones, these appointed messengers from heaven, these angels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, could you think of a higher handed sin than stepping outside right. of God's moral authority to go uh, try to take sexual authority over an angel? Right. Like, and even angels have some, even in a modern imagination, angels are like supposedly powerful, powerful being, right. beings. And to assume you have an authority over an angel is just crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Or could overpower an angel is crazy. Yeah, um, and he's like, and that's what you, these false teachers are doing by denying Jesus as Lord and Master. You are joining yourself to a long history of very vile types of people. Yes, and that's the point he's making. That's the point he's making, and that and 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 not only that connection, but that there is certain judgment for those types of people. Yes. Yeah, and that they they are ignoring those parts of Scripture. Yes, to pervert the grace of God. Right. They are picking and choosing their Sunday sermons, their Saturday yeah. sermons, yes, uh, and skipping over, um, you know, yeah. what happened when God said you can't come into the promised land. What happened whenever the angels were were, were mm-hmm. judged? What happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? Mm-hmm. They're skipping those parts, and he's saying, "You ignorant people, don't you know your Bible?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another way to understand that phrase, "blasphemy the glorious ones," which just proves our point further. Mm. So throughout the rest of the New Testament, in like Hebrews two, and Acts seven, and in Galatians three. Um, 
the apostles will talk about angels being used in the covenant ceremony at Mount Sinai. Yes. Where angels were there giving the law with Moses to God's people. Yeah, they were the mediator between God and man of this covenant. You right. Know. Uh, yeah. And so what? what is the law? What is the covenant? It is God's expectations and proof that he is the moral master it's, of the people of Israel. Yeah, the law is God's moral authority. So to reject the law is a way to blaspheme, like blaspheming the angels, blaspheming yes. the glorious ones, is to blaspheme those who mediated the law, God, the law God's expectations for us. Right. So it could mean I won. Yes. I'm... Yeah. I go 50-50. Yeah. They both prove the same point. Both prove the same point. Yeah. And then he goes further down the rabbit hole. <laughs> let's, let's get real deep into some so, Jewish popular li- literature. So this is also this is from a the a Jewish popular book called The Ascension of Moses or The Testament, Testament of Moses. Testament of Moses. And we actually don't have a full copy of this. Oh, I didn't know manuscript. that. Manuscript. So the only we have bits and pieces of it huh. and then interpretations of that text, uh-huh. but not actually the full text. Crazy. So it's a little disputed precisely what it means. Uh, but the story goes something like this. Okay. That um, story time. The story time. So in Deuteronomy 34, mm. we're told that uh, Moses is to be buried in a particular place. Right. And it's kind of a strange story because we're not told who's going to bury them there. It's like there seems to be something special and maybe a little mystical going on with yep. the mar- it's, burial it's, of Moses. It's a, it's a classic like uh, Hebrew literature moment where there's gaps in the story mm-hmm. that invites speculation interpretation and dreaming and and ends up creating these like places for these books like the testament of right so here it's like and moses the servant lord died there in moab as the lord had said he buried him in moab in the valley opposite beth peor who god but to this day no one knows where his grave is wait 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 what who buried moses who who buried him (laughs) where it's a it's a murder mystery nobody knows yeah and he just died uh how God just said it's time it's to die. Mysterious. So it's like we don't know exactly the cause of his death, who buried him, or where he was buried. Right. And so the Testament of Moses tries to answer, some, tries of to answer que- some of those questions. So in the Testament of Moses, um, there's an argument between Michael the archangel and the devil. Oh, yeah. Classic. I've read this story. Classic. Yeah, and in the popular version of the story, the devil claims to the angel that the body of Moses belongs to him because he murdered a man. Oh, right, back back whenever he was still kind of in, uh, Egypt. in, in Egypt. And he murdered the Egyptian. Yeah. And so the devil being true to his character as the accuser, he's making an accusation uh-huh. of Moses. He belongs to me. But Michael, in that moment, could have said, that's false because God has judged him as righteous. He could have said any number of things, but uh-huh. he doesn't say any of those things. He says, the Lord rebuke you. Now, that's a strange phrase in this context, but what he means by that is, I'm leaving judgment in this case up to God. Mm. I'm not going to assume moral authority even over Satan. Right. I'm not going to assume I have the right to judge somebody because that's God's authority alone. The Mm. devil's accusing you of belonging to him, but I'm not going to make that claim. I'll let God judge. Right. So you have an archangel, Mm -hmm. right? Authority of authorities. The highest angel. Right. The highest angel talking to Satan, Mm -hmm. someone who you basically patently could disagree with, you know, with very little qualms. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Moses, right? Moses, who's like, no, you can't bring a condemnation against Moses. Satan, get out of here. Right. Easy. I, I would I would have yeah. had that conversation so differently. I'd been like, shut up, Satan. Moses is staying right. with us. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is an easy win. Easy win. And he's like, even the highest of angels talking to the lowest of beings mm-hmm. about a holy man is going to leave judgment up to God. It's a really, it's a really simple point at the end of the I day. I mean, that's a that that meta that like it's that a, illusion packs a punch. It does. Even in the Jewish popular of the day, even the highest heavenly beings wait for God to mm. be their master and judge. Come on. These yeah. false teachers are just breaking with their own tradition. They're breaking with their Bibles. They're being ignorant, Mm. Um, which is exactly what he says in verse 10. These people, these false teachers, these leaders blaspheme everything they do not understand and they are destroyed by all that, by all that they like unreasoning animals understand instinctively. Yeah. They're, yeah. I, I, that, that statement is really interesting because it's, it's two sided. He's saying they're destroyed by what they don't understand. You know, he's calling them ignorant. He's Mm -hmm. like, you don't know your Bible. And you're going to be destroyed by the fact that you don't. He's yep. like, don't you know judgment is coming for those who step outside of God's moral authority? 
Yep. Well, you're going to be destroyed by what you don't know if you don't know that. Mm-hmm. He's like, and then on the flip side, you by what you do know, you are proving to be an unruly, unreasoning animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like you're gonna and you're gonna be destroyed by that. Yeah, you'll be destroyed by your own instincts, your own desires. Right. Yeah, it's like yeah. you want to say that my grace frees you to follow those desires, but mm-hmm. in fact, what you think you're now free to go do and mm-hmm. will still be saved while doing is actually yeah. going to lead to your destruction. Yeah, the way that I put it in our Devo for this mm-hmm. is that in their ignorance and so-called freedom, these false teachers have become like animals ruled by whatever their heart desires. Yeah, And then he gives, then Jude goes on to, list more examples from the old testament of people who were ruled by their desires to their own destruction okay so he says woe to these people um for they walked in the way of cain and Mm. abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to balaam's error and perished in korah's rebellion so three stories three stories one sentence cain balaam korah yeah what 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 do these people have in common well so cain murdered his brother out of envy okay balaam sold out israel in greed and then Korah partnered with Balaam and committed treason against Israel so that he could have sex with whoever he wanted. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. These are all examples of leaders within Israel's history who were baited by their own lust into mm. their own judgment. And they, yeah, and they also, so they all wanted something mm-hmm. and that led to their demise. They were destroyed yeah. by what they desired. Mm-hmm. That's a clear way to say it, right? Yep. They were destroyed by what they desired. So that's why he's bringing them up. But then also all of them share the exact same sin of the false teachers. They've all stepped outside God's moral authority. Mm-hmm. You know, Cain was told like, hey, if you do right, won't it go well for you? Yeah. And then he goes and murders his brother. I don't think that's doing right. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like uh, Balaam was told by God to only bless Israel. And he gave a, a, a lip service blessing on the mountain, but then went down to the camp and sowed discord and yeah. brought a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Korah was supposed to submit to Aaron as the high priest mm-hmm. and did not, committed treason against him and against Moses and brought charges against him, and the ground opened up and swallowed him. Yeah. So they, yeah. Were, they all rejected the moral authority of God and were destroyed by what they desired. Yeah. Okay, that's the point. It's, it's not a light book. It's not a light <laughs> the book. The more we talk about it, the heavier it makes me feel. <laughs> Um, and, and Jude's not done. (laughs) He says, these people, these false teachers, these leaders are like hidden reefs at your love feasts. Yeah. So the love feast was the communion meal, Mm -hmm. which is generally their church service. Yeah. Uh, they're hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. They're shepherds. Another reason why I think they're the pastors of these Uh churches feeding themselves. Uh, Instead of a shepherd supposed to feed the sheep. Right. Peter, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but they're taking advantage of their church mm. uh, instead. They're like waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. And then he finally says, they're wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness uh, has been reserved forever. Mm. So, so it's just intense all metaphors. These, all these different metaphors are basically saying that they kind of give off a quick burst or like a, a deception of something helpful. Oh, they're a shepherd. Oh, but they're feeding themselves, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, clouds, maybe they're rain. Maybe there's going to be rain for my land and my crops. No, yeah. rainless. Oh, look, a tree, maybe we can eat. No, it's fruitless. Let's uproot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, look, a wave is cresting. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, look. A star up in heaven. Oh, no, it's a comet, and it was shot sh- shooting out in some random direction, and now it's stuck in utter darkness. Yeah. It's just like, oh, look, a great teacher preaching a word I really like. Oh, wait, this is a false teacher, and, and he's going to be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sweet yeah. metaphors, Judah. Yeah. And at this point, I, I want to continue to lean into this hidden metaphor. That's how he starts it. They're hidden. Yeah, reefs. yeah, yeah. Because I was wrestling how to process this book. Because it's really easy to claim, like, I've got people in my mind that I could call a false teacher. People yep. who have abdicated God's moral authority, living in a way that I dis- that I think is contrary to scripture. That's easy. That's, yeah. The not fact, super hidden. Not super hidden. So it's like, it made me think, like, who do I not suspect? Oh, man. <laughs> who do I, ass- because they agree with me, assume are right in moral teachers. That's a, right? That's a scary question. Exactly. And then it started getting me to think, well, 
have I denied God's moral authority? Mm. Am I the false teachers in this narrative? Mm. Am I being lumped in with the people of Sodom? Like, mm. am I continuing the anti-Christic pattern of the devil? And I was like, I think, I think my answer has to be yes. Mm. If what we keep saying is like how you live reveals what you believe, which mm. maybe we haven't said that yeah. that clearly yet, but like that's what the point he's making. Right. He's saying your licentiousness and your your refusal to follow God's moral authority proves that you don't believe in Jesus. He's not your master. Right. Yeah. So it made me just think of like all the times throughout yesterday <laughs> I allowed my anger, my envy, or my pride to get the better of me. Mm. And I didn't feel like I could stop it. Yeah. It felt like an instinct that took over in that moment. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I'm as immune from these passages as I want to think that I am. And I need to hear the warning of Jude that as if I continue to give into those, I align myself with this historic deceptive lie that invites judgment. Hmm. I mean, my only pushback there is you're not teaching that. It's true. You're talking about struggling with sin, not promoting the fact that you can follow your desires and eschew God's moral authority and still be saved. However, Mm. I am teaching in this exact moment. Yeah, you're teaching right now. And if my moral life behind the scenes Mm. does not match the gospel I preach, I am a false teacher. Mm. That's part of what, that's not the full message of what he's saying here. I I don't know. Because, Because, I mean, mean, Paul was the chief of sinners. mm -hmm. So was he a false teacher? If, I think if he wouldn't have been, no, he was not. He was not a false teacher. He was not a false teacher. I, I'm just trying to say here that like there's a there. I get what you're trying to get at that we right. need to take these warnings seriously. Yes, but I also need there needs to be a clear distinction between people even in this community to which Jude was writing mm-hmm. who were actively struggling with sin. We all do, mm-hmm. uh, and but still claim Jesus as their moral authority, and we're constantly trying to sync up with it and, yes. and be his slave, versus those who said no. Jesus is not your master. Do not follow his authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's grace. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. Teaching and being sanctified, like teaching heresy and actively being sanctified, are two different right. things. I just want to. I just want to make sure there's a, a distinction. Yes, there is. Yeah. And my point goes back to the hiddenness. Right. I don't think they were speaking outright heresy necessarily. Mm. I don't think they got up on a Sunday sir, during one of their Sunday services and said, "Jesus is not your moral master." I think that everyone, that's not being a hidden reef. That's right. not coming Those in. Those kind of people don't creep in unnoticed. Right. Right. So I think they, by what it sounded like, it sounded like they were good and orthodox. Mm. But as you dug into their lives, it proved they were part of a deeper pr- pattern where they continued to justify their sin mm. in one way or another. And so I think you're right. I'm not a false teacher. Right. <laughs> I hope I'm not a false teacher. <laughs> you're not a false teacher. But. Hey, who's, who's, who's Lord? Jesus. Jesus. There you go. Lord. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. But what what I the reason but I get it. I, get the reason it. I was yes. leaning there too is to go back to like how he ends the letter. Yes. So I just which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, we will. But, but I was like Yeah, I mean and you're I don't want to I don't want to escape from your point either. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure we had a distinction that mm-hmm. like there's a very clear thing that Jude is doing here. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a deep way that we as people who are trying to be slaves of Jesus right. can still be convicted by this book and i think that's what you're trying to do yes and like the fact that we can repent of those things Mm -hmm. is proof we're not a false teacher that's right so you can admit that in your life right yesterday Mm -hmm. you did not submit to jesus you did not act as he as if he was your lord and master right but if you can admit that rather than justifying that yes you're not a false teacher that's right if you would have been like yeah i was thinking about this and just thinking about all the ways that i just did not line up with God's moral authority yesterday. I was angry. I did this. I did that. And I just re- I just remembered that it just ultimately doesn't matter because God's grace covers it. And it's okay if I'm angry today too because that'll happen. And mm-hmm. it's fine. And it's like there's no repentance. There's no mourning of sin. There's no longing to be conformed to the image of right. Jesus. You're not calling Jesus your master there. You're creating your own moral authority. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, but but yes, I think we we do need to watch out for the the reefs in our life that mm-hmm. seek to sink the ship. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so as we land the plane, as as Jude lands the plane, yes, of 
the false teacher's rejection of God as moral, their moral authority. He goes to the book of First Enoch mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and actually quotes it this time. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't just like riff on a story or apply some kind of metaphorical thing. He actually quotes the book of First Enoch in the New Testament. Yeah, and he says, Behold, this is what Enoch says, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all, and now listen for the word ungodly, to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that have committed that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, followers of their own sinful desires, loudmouth boasters, and showing favoritism to gain advantage. Mm. That's his landing um, rebuke yeah. to the false teachers. They're un- why, why choose something that why choose a, a quote and a long quote at that mm-hmm. uh, when when ink and paper were so expensive to to say ungodly so many times is he trying to hammer at something like I mean the fact that they weren't godly probably <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think like what that how that ties into the rest of his point like is over I mean he's just like oh no we can have God and not have his moral authority is right that's saying, ungodliness. No, you are ungodly that's ungodliness you don't have God. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just what he's getting at. There. Right. You don't have the gospel mm-hmm. if you justify your moral evil by appealing to the gospel. Ah, yes. Like you're saying God's grace covers, you use God's grace as an excuse for your perversion. That's not the gospel. You're using the gospel to justify your bad behavior and therefore you are ungodly, separated from mm-hmm. God and don't have the God you claim it's to also, have. Yeah, it's also interesting here that his quote from Enoch is doing a couple of things. One, he's saying that there is this prediction in the book of Enoch that God will come with 10,000 holy ones, the the people you've been blaspheming, the angels you've been blaspheming. Right. Ironic rebuke. But apparently um, you like to read about in yeah, your da- daily yeah, life. <laughs> so funny. They're going to come to execute judgment. They're going to do that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's been his point the whole time. Right. But the next thing that that quote says is also really interesting and it's to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they've committed in an ungodly way. It's just like they're going to not like not just be judged, but there's going to be a conviction held. Mm. You know, like and like that's like more like a sentencing. Yeah, you think? yeah, uh, yeah. I or, well, I I'm a little disappointed because I thought where I was going to be able to go with this was that they were going to be convinced of uh, their ungodliness, but that's not what's being said here. Because I was going to say like, oh, if you're a convicted murderer, you know that you did it wrong. I mean, like that's not you're, that's not you're a case. sentenced murderer. You're a sentenced yeah, so that's what's happening here. Okay, anyway, and then he doubles down on this prediction cuz he's just trying to get you to see mm-hmm. that in the Old Testament, now in the predictions of Enoch, and now he's going to say in even Jesus and our mm-hmm. apostles who passed down the faith once for all and trusted to the saints, they also predicted the same thing that uh, false teachers would rise up mm-hmm. and follow their ungodly passions and they're going to be judged. Yeah. And so he, he quotes, he kind of cobbles together a quote from different apostles and even Jesus mm-hmm. about these false teachers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So th- th- that all happens. And, and it's like, we get to the end of the letter and I mean, I remember this morning when I was reading it, I read it, I think I read it like three times just going like, how do I, I mean, we're spoken gospel. How do I see the gospel here? And I was just like praying and I was like, God, can you help me see the light of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ and Jude? And I was just like struggling. Yeah. And then we got together and we, our team prayed through the book this morning and felt like it all came yeah. to light finally. Yeah. So we're really excited to share it with you. Yeah. So go ahead and talk about how the, how the letter ends. Yeah. The letter ends with an encouragement to the people within the church, mm. which is why I really wanted the indictment against the false teachers to land on me. Mm. He ends it with a command or an encouragement to the people within the church underneath these false teachers. But he says this, build yourself up, which is a reference to the temple. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, probably. Like the temple's built up in holiness and things like that. Yeah. In your most holy faith Mm. and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Uh, The way that I wrote it in my, my notes was like, you, build yourself into a to god's house grounded in god's gospel and built with prayer in the spirit Mm. and love of god Mm. while you patiently wait for the mercy of jesus towards sinners like you yeah so and that's why like that like man like i multiple times throughout my week 
do not, I deny that Jesus is Lord and master. Yeah. But as I wait on the mercy of my Lord Jesus Christ, as I keep myself in God's love and pray in the spirit, I'm actually being built up into the place where God dwells. Mm. And like he keeps me in his good news and forgiveness. Yeah. And I think that keeping mm. is probably the best good news of the book of yeah. Jude. Yeah, because I think like twofold. I think one, like what you explored, like, man, I mean, yeah, I feel like I fall into the same uh-huh. cycle of all those Old Testament stories we just talked at, talked mm-hmm. about. I mean, I remember when we had not gotten into the New Testament yet, you know, in that right. spoken gospel, we were writing through all the Torah and all these other history books. And it just, it felt like I was stuck in the downward spiral of sin in Israel's history. And then Jude's going to go bring up all these stories. And I'm like, right. yeah, I think that's me too. I thought I was out of this. Yeah. It's like, man, I guess that's me. I guess I just, am a, my heart's a big hidden reef and in my, the, the mm-hmm. ship of my life is going to hit it and be sunk asunder. You know, and it's yeah. like, but Jesus is able to keep you mm-hmm. and you, it won't be a downward spiral into sin, but an upward spiral into conformity into his yeah. image and under his moral authority. Yeah. But then the other side is also just like, imagine being in this community and reading this letter. You're there. Okay. You're, you're telling me in my community, sneaking in unnoticed are a bunch of false teachers and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. How can I survive in a religious landscape where there is just false teachers lurking everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many people going through deconversion right now in our mm-hmm. age are just like, how can I trust the church again? Right. How can I go somewhere? I, I tried to give my heart to this church and was led astray by a false teacher. Tried to go to this church and was led astray by a moral corrupt teacher. Mm-hmm. How can I ever be assured that like I can make it through life mm-hmm. as a Christian if all my leaders are false teachers? Yeah. And it's like, it's because Jesus is able to keep you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. It's just good news. It's good news. It, the book of Jude begins with this phrase, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept mm-hmm. for Jesus Christ. God, there is a way in which God is keeping people who admit that Jesus is their Lord and Master mm. for him. Like He's preserving them. He's yeah. helping them not become that person anymore. And then it says here that we can keep ourselves in the love of God by meditating on his mercy and waiting patiently for it. And then it says others can also help keep us in that faith. Yeah. Have mercy on those who doubt. Who are those that doubt? Those who doubt that Jesus is coming to judge, yeah. that Jesus is their moral master. It's, it's and crazy you after s- everything he said that there's mercy for them. <laughs> save others by snatching them out of the fire. We have two examples of fire already, mm. and it's possible to snatch them out of it by our mercy on them. Oh, man. Yeah. It's crazy to think about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his wife fleeing from the city. Like, that's the judgment that's coming for those who doubt that God is the moral authority. And I mean, my mind fills with people in my life that are in that state. Yeah. And like my hope for them wanes. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, David, show mercy to them because like God wants to snatch them up. Yeah. Like he can save them. He can Mm -hmm. rescue. If he can rescue Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, he can rescue Mm -hmm. your friends struggling with submitting to God's moral authority. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, there is a preserving power of the community of God, of God himself and the community of Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. That he want that that Jude wants us to end on because we can one be led astray by these false teachers. We can become unwittingly false teachers ourselves. But God has chosen us. Mm-hmm. He's brought us near to Himself, kept us for Himself. We can remind ourselves and keep us in Jesus as we meditate on His love. Others can snatch us back when we start to admit that Jesus is not our <laughs> moral master anymore. And then the, it ends with, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to mm. present you blameless before the presence of his, holy, of his glory with great joy. To God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority forever. Yeah, That's the good news is that in a world that will always tempt you, in a world that began with a temptation mm. to define your own good and evil, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There is a God keeping you close to him. He's able to do it. He's able to pr- keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep yeah. you for Jesus. He's enabled people in your community to snatch you from the fire that you want to mm. touch. 
Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to think like, what is it about? Cause it's, it says that he's able to present us blameless before his glory mm-hmm. through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is it about Jesus himself that guarantees a keeping a perseverance, you know, like, like in Jesus's character or in like, or what in, in the cross? gospel, like yeah. what is it about his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming. What is it about the essentials of the gospel that guarantee a perseverance? I mean, he made the promise. He said, none of those who my father has given me, I will lose. Mm-hmm. Right? So like Jesus' own admission is that anyone who's his, he's going to keep forever. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I'm good at that. I can do that. I'm a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Right? I keep my sheep safe. Yeah. I'm I don't take advantage of them. I'm not going to take advantage of them. I'm not going to feed myself when they need to eat. I'm a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. So like it's, it's, and he's powerful enough to do it, you know, to actually keep us. Um, but it's also just like, there's this, there's this lack of stumbling and this blamelessness with which we'll be presented before God. And it's that that is accomplished through Christ. And I'm just like, what makes it to where I'm blameless before Christ? And this is almost like a weird, like fine line that you have to walk in Jude because it's like, it's the grace of Jesus mm-hmm. that takes a sinner like me mm-hmm. and presents me blameless before God, Yeah, which is like the kind of grace that these false teachers wanted to pull on. Yeah. You, right. Right. Yeah. Like, like you can live however you want. You'll be blameless before, before God. And then Jude ends with a kind of promise like that. Yeah. But it's that like, no, no, no. But there's a huge difference in the posture of the heart of the person who uses that grace for license mm-hmm. and those who uses that grace for obedience mm-hmm. as slaves to their master Jesus. Yeah, the gospel saves sinners, but it doesn't free us to sin. Yes. Like, yeah, like that's yeah. a fine line. Right. I mean, I tell I tell my kids this every night before I go to bed, and it makes me nervous mm. the older and more disobedient they get. <laughs> Uh, or more complex their yeah. disobedience gets. It's like, like, do you know that just because you disobeyed me, I don't love you any less? Yeah. And did you know that because I don't, I, I don't love you any more when you obey me perfectly? Yeah. Well, if my love's not on the line, why not? Mm. Every night I tell them, it doesn't matter how you behave, I will always love you. Right. It's and so I'm by myself nervous as a parent <laughs> to like just give them that. Because like, what threat do they have? Like, it yeah. feels like I've given them no reason to behave well. Right. Right? Yeah. But the, the reality, what I'm trying to do in that moment is, no, respond to my love in kind. Right. I love you this way so that you might love me in return. Right. And you, and you still, there's still like regular lowercase p punishments that you we have for your kids. Disciplines. Disciplines, yeah. right? Like, oh, go to your room. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's. That's a parent. That's a parent. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, <laughs> like, and so it's not that you you're denying. Right now, it's throwing away the Halloween candy. There, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Yeah, hellfire. That's hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> and so it's like you you're like look back at, at how I've parented, right? Like when right. you've done this, there's been punishment. Mm-hmm. Let me sna- let my love and mercy right. snatch you from the fire. Mm-hmm. Now, but God like never changed his character and his right. posture toward humanity. He has always loved us and desired mm-hmm. us to be saved. He has persevered in his love He's towards us. He's persevered. He's, He's able kept to keep his, his love. Own love. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. And in it, what I've, we've talked about this a couple times off the air, but how interesting it is in that a book all about judgment mm-hmm. that Jude doesn't reverse it and say, Right. But don't is, worry, Jesus bore your judgment for you. Right. But that's also really true. Right. Yes. So how does he present us blameless? Right. By taking all of our antichristness by yeah. taking all of our false teacherness all the times that we've denied jesus as lord as master he bore in his body on the cross so that we might live to righteousness to yeah. godliness like right and i think it's that we might live to righteousness to godliness is also the point that um it's not only that jesus was our substitute and took the sodom and gomorrah judgment we deserved it right it's mm-hmm. also that he is he is helping us through his Holy Spirit, as we pray in the Spirit, as we're not devoid of the Spirit, we're being built up into a holy place, you know? Yeah, where God lives in us yeah. now, yeah. Like, we, he will keep us from stumbling to mm-hmm. keep making us holy so that when we stand before the Lord, we actually, like, will be blameless before him. Yeah. 
We won't want to sin before And him. we'll be fully human. Yeah. How, what, what are you when you follow your desires? You're an animal. animal. When we finally live in righteousness, we will be fully and truly human for mm. the first time. And that's, what Je- and that's part of what Jesus saves us for. Yeah, that's so cool. Man, well, that was the book of Jude. Is it the book of Jude? We could have read the book of Jude like 10 times. We really could have. Uh, I don't know if you would have understood it much more. <laughs> I certainly didn't as I studied for my many hours in this. But yes. Um, yeah, so that's the book of Jude. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we really enjoyed studying it and, and being here with you today. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, and next week we have a special announcement for you guys. Ooh, so teaser. Yeah, so we'll see you guys there. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.